Okay, we are back. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Yes. Man, we have a really special one today. We have a guest on that actually has been uh, kind of uh, behind the scenes and had a hand in really teaching Dan and I a whole lot of stuff. Absolutely. If you are fans of this podcast and or video photo stuff in general, you probably know him. And if you don't, you need to. He's Steven Eckert, and he is kind of the right-hand man, does all of the editing and filming and all kinds of stuff for Jared Poland, a.k.a. Frodo's Photo. I would call him the chief creative officer. Yes, yes, I would too. I think that's a great title. Steven, you should take that. Chief creative officer. Yeah, we, we just had a great time talking with him about gear and his beginnings. Um, we did fangirl a little bit out about he was a part of my photo journey and some of the, the things that he's doing through Frono's Photo and uh, things that he got started with, how he got started in photography and stuff like that. It's very interesting to hear his journey and, and what he's been up to and what they're doing with uh, Frono's Photo. This may be a little bit of a longer one, just a advanced heads up, but you're definitely going to want to give a listen to this one if it takes you a couple times. He had some uh, awesome things to share with us and a lot of cool insight into his life and what he does behind the scenes, but also in the process of what they do for Frono's Photo. Yes. And Aaron used that bedroom voice of his the entire podcast. I just feel like I'm so close to the mic, I don't want to be screaming. I understand. I I hear you. And <laughs> I understand what you're saying. I guess I just need to sit back and project as if I'm talking to somebody. There it is. There it is. There's the guy I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, yeah, we hope you enjoy listening to this interview. And without further ado, let's jump right in. Here we go. Well, thanks so much, Stephen, for joining us. I'm I'm pretty excited to have you on. I uh, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the link I sent you, but having guests is kind of one of our favorite things because me and Dan know a couple of things, but we love talking to people that know a lot more than us. So glad to glad to have you. <laughs> I don't think I know a lot more. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. So really, one I think one of the first things we usually always ask is kind of uh, what got you started um, in photo and video. And I'd kind of love to hear like where your where your beginnings hmm. came from all that. Well, uh, I first started working in a photo lab uh, at just CVS when I was 15 or 16 and got really interested in the printing part of photography. Still didn't know much about shooting or anything like that, but I got obsessed with printing and uh, just creating large prints, photo books, stuff like that, and helping people edit photos. Uh, and then from there, I became the photo lab supervisor and then the district photo lab supervisor and got really into, again, the, the printing game. And then I started working at a radio station uh, in Philly, a local cluster for iHeartRadio or Clear Channel. Uh, back then is what it was called. And yeah, I remember that. Yep. And I started doing uh, studio sessions for them and taking some photos. And I got more and more advanced and started, uh, you know, really researching how to take better photos and do low light photography, especially, uh, you know, noise was rough for me in the beginning because we're shooting in low light situations. And then basically they really liked what I was doing. So they started uh, sending me out to concerts. And from there I was shooting, a, I don't know, one, two concerts a week. And then it became, you know, 10 a month and more and more and more. And I was doing a lot more at the radio station as well. Like uh, I was doing on-air music news. I had a photo blog and a, just a music news blog on there as well. And I did all their front of house mixing for their studio sessions. Uh, kind of a jack of all trades there. Anyway, um, 
I kept shooting for about another nine or 10 years, kept updating my gear and upgrading. Uh, again, I have a really obsessive personality. So I try to get the best of the best gear. And I need, I, I feel like I, I have, you know, gas syndrome, the gear acquisition syndrome, Same. where I just keep buying more and more stuff that I really don't need. <laughs> but uh, so I really invested in my gear, started again, doing more concert stuff and started doing stuff on the side. And then I met Jared uh, in the photo pit. He was uh, photographing for Live Nation at the time. I was shooting for iHeartRadio and we kind of hit it off um he since i was also doing the on-air music news i would also present some shows on occasion uh so i would be on stage and you know hey this is 311 and it's a radio one for five present show you know enjoy the show whatever blah, blah blah um and one day jared was in the photo pit i introduced the band then i came running in the photo pit right after to take some photos and he's like weren't you just up there and now you're down here and realized basically that I could take photos. I knew what I was doing with photography and editing and all of that. But I also could be on air talent of some sort. Um, I also did a lot of video editing at the time. And he started, we kind of hit it off and I saw him at almost every show. And from there, I started doing part time with him editing. It was just me and him. Um, and I started doing more and more photography again for the radio station. And we both did concert photography. So we really hit it off. And, you know, seven, eight years later, I'm here working for him full time. And that's kind of my humble beginnings when it comes to photography in a nutshell. That's really cool, man. <laughs> I was going to say with the, with the gas, you'll fit in really well here. Cause we, uh, Dan and I may, may or may uh, not bad. suffer from a little bit of that. It's bad, <laughs> especially working with Jared too. You know, we, we get all of the, uh, all the toys, everything that's new, we get it. And I feel like I have to get it for myself as well. The, the luxury of working with, uh, with Jared is that I can take a lot of gear home. You know, I can borrow it for the weekend. Uh, I ended up selling most of my 5d and, uh, my 5d, my old Canon EF lenses, a lot of that stuff. And I'm almost left with not really any camera equipment anymore because uh, I don't really need it. I could just borrow it at work and take a brand new R5 home, take an A1 home, whatever I need. It's it's great. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, uh, my home, just to, to let you know a little bit about me. First of all, yeah. I'm Dan. We've never met officially. Uh, but uh, my humble beginning is I bought a, an ADD after watching a Fronos photo uh, oh. review of the ADD in the Gene Factory. Yeah, I shot that. I then... I then bought the how to get out of auto. Nice. And and uh, everything I've learned is kind of from that base. Very cool. Um, yeah, it was really cool. And then I think I own all the guides now. Um, the flash, the video, um, everything. And Editing, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then all the presets, which I, I, I understand you had a big part in, in helping create. Because uh, I remember Jared was at first anti-preset. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So yep. I uh, really actually cool. made all the presets. Except oh, one. Except yeah. one. Nice. It is black and white boomify. I'll give him that. But yeah. uh, contrast up to 90. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Contrast to a million tone curve. Super S curve. <laughs> yeah. Gotta love it. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, yeah, yeah. Just so you know, you're you're a part of my 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 photo beginnings. That's I, awesome, I, man. I was always a video guy and I went to school for that. But I always loved photography and accidentally would take good photos from time to time, but really didn't know anything about exposure or anything uh, like that. I had always worked with um in my school back in the day they had old director's chairs with uh you know we switched cameras doing the like oh, millennium yeah. falcon thing and in my college we did that i never had to worry about exposure it was always set for us we just ran cameras and did different things we never really got to learn about exposure stuff like that very cool yeah uh are you still a canon guy uh, I, I am. Personally, I'm a Canon guy. I have stuck with them from day one. But at this point, I've, I mean, we use 
Nikon, Canon, Sony, yeah. Fuji, everything at work. So I kind of, it's nice because I, I know almost every brand now at this point. Olympus, I'm still kind of weird with Fuji on occasion and I kind of get a little iffy with their menu system. Um, but besides that, it's for me personally, Sony, Nikon, Canon, Canon is still king for me. I love the R5, especially. Uh, I, I was a little nervous before the R5 and R6 got announced because EOS R was a little iffy. RP was meh. Uh, the yeah. 5D was outdated from day one. So I almost jumped ship to Sony, uh, wow. but the R5, I think, brought me back. And I do shoot with Sony on occasion. I'll use the R4 um, with some other uh, 1.2 glass. But for the most part, I'm a, I'm a Canon guy at heart. Call me biased. Nice. Well, both Aaron and I are, are Canon fanboys. Awesome. But, but much like you would hear Jared say, it's not about the brand or the, uh, the camera. It's about the hands that hold it. And, oh yeah, uh, and the knowledge behind that and the eye. So that's really cool, man. I, it, it's cool to hear your story. I I love taking concert photography. I took uh, I shot Eddie Money with my oh. AD and a fifty, uh, 50 a nifty fifty. That was the first concert I ever I ever. Oh, shot. with a prime, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's tough. They're they're very very <laughs> grainy, but uh, but it was cool. It was that was the first concert I shot, and then I was kind of as I was getting more into concert photography, I I started following following your work and, and some of the stuff that is you were posting at the time, a lot of uh, concerts and stuff like that. I, I'm really bad at posting, by the way, anything on social media. I think my last picture is from December. Your uh, last and two then, pictures are your cr- two Christmas photos. I <laughs> checked right before we got on because I wanted to make sure to, to plug your, your social medias. I think I'm I like, the, oh, the, it's Christmas 2020 and Christmas 2019. 2019, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I think I just get to the point where I'm so obsessed with it at work and, you know, we're nonstop doing stuff for social media and for YouTube and just content creation in general that I'm burnt out by the time I get home and, and focus on any personal, you know, posting. I just, and I don't really care to be honest. You know, I'm not one to brag and, and be all about social media and I don't know, look at me, look at me type stuff. I just don't care. Yeah. I should. I should for what I do. But <laughs> you, you work for somebody that does enough of that for both of you. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Jared, on the other hand, will post every single thing yeah. of his life. Yep. We, we, we love Jared, though. We're just kidding. Yeah, we're just yeah, kidding he's, of course. He's, he, he knows it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He yeah. knows that he posts so, all the time. <laughs> so we kind of, uh, I know we kind of just jumped right in. Um, and, and Dan and I will probably put a little intro before this episode as well to cool. kind of, you know, explain everything. But um, in case anybody that is listening doesn't know, uh, we have Stephen Eckert with us. Uh, Stephen, as he kind of already alluded to, is a photographer, videographer, um, editor, audio. I mean, pretty much do help out with everything uh, over at Freno's Photo with Jared Poland, right? Yeah. Uh, right-hand man. Uh, yeah. I don't really have an official title, but mm-hmm. creative director, production manager, production director, whatever you want to say. Um, right. I'm pretty Wrangler. much behind all the editing and... Uh, and uh, content creation for the most part. We have another editor, but um, I basically feed him content throughout the He's week. He's got a great film. name, if I remember correct. Who? Yeah, Dan. Dan Horowitch? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, my name's also Dan, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm biased to the name Dan. So, uh, well, yeah, so we... Um all right. Like I said, we're really glad, glad that you're here. I'd like to hear a little bit about, you know, where you've come from and how you got your start and, yeah. and everything that you've done and all that. Um, I, I do have a question. I know Dan already shared what his first camera was, mm-hmm. but what was your first camera that you owned? Uh, real camera or like first ever camera? Yeah. Well, let's let's say... DSLR, like no phones don't count. Okay. Um, I owned a Canon 
XT uh, in, I don't know, 2007 is probably my first like real interchangeable camera. And then before <laughs> that, I always toyed around with the power shots. And uh, I was always the guy at like the parties doing like little video clips and making some stupid montage out of it after the fact. Um, playing with like uh, Movie Maker and Windows and didn't know what I was doing at all. But uh, yeah, probably Canon XT is my first real camera. And I definitely thought I was a pro <laughs> air quotes <laughs> at that time because I got a take, cool camera. Take it till you make it, man. That's, people yeah. probably thought it too. Oh yeah. You got a big, ca- bigger the camera, the the smarter you are with uh, photography for sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah. Windows Movie Maker is no joke though. I, um, yeah. My, my old YouTube channel, I did a lot of drum covers. You remember those little flip cameras? They had the USB that came out of the side yep. that you could video on there, like 720. 720p. I used to do like a little overhead shot with those. And I had a, uh, man, I think it was a Rockstar microphone from like PlayStation that I would put in front of the drums. And then I would use Windows Movie Maker and Audacity to like mix the drums <laughs> with the cover song I was doing. Yeah. It was super, super ghetto, but it worked. <laughs> I didn't do any of that. I, I basically just shot on these power shots and threw clips in and put these cheesy transitions and it was bad. You look back on it now, but I mean, I was probably 16 at the time. <laughs> but now that stuff, that stuff like that horrible editing, those horrible transitions, that mm-hmm. stuff's like back in style, like that yeah. ugly version of stuff that we would call cringy because you, you could just do it with automatic things and you don't, it doesn't take any skill. Now it's that not real stuff, editing. Yeah. Now that stuff's kind of in vogue again. And you're like, why? I don't, it's ugly. <laughs> um, uh, I got a question for you. Uh, knowing that, uh, that you, are uh you, you spent some time in in disney world mm. you're on that side of the country east coast this, yep. is, this is completely unrelated to photos but disney world or disneyland <laughs> well obviously for me disney world because i've never been to disneyland i've no? never been to that part of uh of cali um yeah i've never been my my fiance on the other hand is obsessed with all things disney uh that's why we go almost every other year and she just loves it man she can't get enough of disney everything about her life is disney and and i also so really enjoy it too. Um, she's got me back into some of the older Disney movies and we obviously got Disney plus and we watch that all the time. And that's cool. She loves watching the same movies over and over. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds like we'd get along cause I'm, I'm obsessed. I just took your big Disney fan. Oh yeah. I just took my family to Disney. We're not California residents, but my cousins are. And so okay. we had them sneak us in under the California resident. Uh, <laughs> it was only at 30% capacity. So there was no line over 40 minutes. Uh, it was, it was really cool. It yeah. Was, we we were, awesome. uh, actually thinking about going during the pandemic at some point, just because of those reasons. She, uh, she watches a lot of Disney blogs and they would be vlogging there and literally the empty lines, zero wait times. Oh yeah. Uh, it's almost like you didn't even need to wear a mask because there was nobody, nobody around. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, yeah, that, it, it was crazy. I mean, there I've been there when it's been a hundred percent capacity and mm-hmm. it's so crowded. You feel like even though you're outdoors, you can't breathe. You're yeah. just surrounded by people. And at 30% capacity or 35, I can't remember which it was. I, cu- I couldn't get a square answer from the Disney folks, but it was, I mean, there's so much room everywhere. You were, I mean, people were riding rides and then getting right back in the line and riding it again 30 <laughs> minutes after that. It, it was, it was a lot of fun. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Jealous. <laughs> so you, you do a lot of work for for jared mm-hmm. and um you used to do concert photography um, i did yeah probably not so much anymore with with your schedule with jared what do you do creatively um for yourself uh to be 
be honest, like I said, I kind of leave a lot of it at work at this point. I, I almost get to the point where I'm where I'm burned out by the time I get home. You know, I'm literally filming. There's days where we film nonstop for eight, nine, ten hours, and I'm just last thing I want to do is pick up a camera when I get home. Uh, before my outlet was concert photography. That was definitely my my passion. Um, I loved it. I love I love the music world. Uh, you know, again, I came from radio, so the reason yeah. I did radio is because I'm terrible at with rhythm. I can't play an instrument. I love music though, so I know I can talk about it. <laughs> my passion cool. uh, for for music. So it was the best of both worlds. I would you know I could take photos and be and have the best seat in the house, literally feet a couple feet away from the artist and just sit back and relax. There's on occasion, there'd be shows where we could uh, shoot the entire show, which was incredible because I would literally just hang out in the photo pit after the third or fourth song and just watch, um, especially some of my favorite artists, obviously. But uh, yeah, creatively at home, uh, I, I don't do much when it comes to phot- photography or video. My outlet right now is probably, uh, I'm huge into lawn care. <laughs> I love my lawn. <laughs> I love uh, outdoors stuff, um, my flower beds, all that kind of stuff. I, I like being out in nature. Um, so it's almost the opposite. I almost want to be outside and not around technology when I'm home. That's really cool. It's uh that's a tough thing for us yeah. right now. The outside we're uh it's one thirty where we are and we're about hundred and nine oh. outside right now. So But you guys have a <laughs> uh more of like a dry heat, right? Yeah. Yeah. We unfortunately yeah, that's what everybody have. says. When it's hundred and thirteen, it just feels like the sun's getting closer to you. Oh, I couldn't imagine. Probably feels yeah. like you're on the you sun. Ever, you know, like when you when you open your oven when you're baking something and you get just that feel that heat. That's that's what it feels like. That's outside. what it feels like when you oh, open man. the door to outside. It's really terrible. That's yeah, we're <laughs> I mean, we've been really hot um, the past few weeks, uh, unseasonably hot, but uh, the humidity is now up to like 100%. The dew point's insane. So it's, you walk outside and you're instantly sweating. It's bad. But yeah, we're definitely not pushing 100 degrees. I'll tell you that. Wow. So showers never take over there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. You take a shower that you're just wet the rest of the day. Just soaking all day. That's my night. And and I sweat like crazy anyway. So (laughs) I'm always just just sweaty. I have a friend who lives just outside of of Philadelphia and and I'm coming to, to visit visit him later in the year in the fall. Cool. Um, where would you suggest uh, someone go? What's your favorite place to photograph in, in Philly? Oh, man. I mean, you can do the tourist route and you could do the art museum, Boathouse Row, uh, the parkway where City Hall is. I mean, that whole section right there, you could spend an entire day uh, running around and photographing. Um, you could do more of the the hipster route and uh, go under the L, the train tracks and uh, into the Fishtown area um, where a lot of these like hipster bars and there's uh, spray paint and graffiti art and all kinds of stuff around the area. Um, A lot of cool stuff there. The bridges are beautiful. Ben Franklin and Walt Whitman Bridge, too. Um, a lot of great parks, too. Uh, I'm actually from New Jersey. I work in Philly with Jared, but I don't obviously go around that often to photograph stuff. Yeah. Uh, with him, I do on occasion, but um, I don't really know the cool spots, I guess, to go and photograph. But from a tour standpoint, I would say start at uh, the Parkway and Boathouse Row and the Art Museum, for sure. The Rocky That's Statue. The, all that. The Rocky Statue, yeah. Yeah. And, and then you I'll, can get your cheese steaks, you can go to Geno's and... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The steps are no joke. No joke. That's awesome. One thing I, I always like to to ask is, and this could be something, you know, work related to, because like you said, you don't do a lot of stuff on your own anymore. Is there like a project you're either just got done with or you're working on that you're really excited about? Or I know stuff that's upcoming, you may not be able to talk about too much, but what's been like your favorite thing uh, recently? I think from a personal standpoint, I am very proud of the presets that we offer. Um, I spent a lot of time creating and developing and testing out these presets uh, for pack one, two, and three. And it's always tough each time 
time to to start from scratch and, and make 15 custom presets that are not the same as the last 15 or the 15 before oh, yeah. that. And they're modern and, you know, styles change, obviously, as years go on. Um, I'm always very proud of, of of making them. Once I'm finished that project, it's it's a weight off my shoulder and it's just a relief. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I'm glad I spent that, you know, month or two months really working every single day to try and make these. A lot of people think it's just a couple sliders and you're done and, you know, boom, call it a preset and make some money. Not for us. I mean, I, I've told Jared, I, I want to put out the best product possible. And obviously there's going to be certain situations where you slap them on. It just won't work well for that type of environment or that photo or whatever it may be, or certain skin tone. But I think as a starting point, I think they're, they're really solid presets and I'm super proud of them. And currently I'm working on, uh, this documentary about Bernie Sanders. We were on the road with him in Iowa, um, during the Iowa caucuses about two years ago when he was running for uh, president. And I filmed for two, three days straight with Jared, all the behind the scenes of basically Jared photographing and documenting Bernie. And we're making kind of a mini 45 to an hour long documentary out of that. And I've been off and on working on that. And that's probably the biggest project we have going on right now. We actually just launched a, uh, a photo book uh, called Bernie. It's just uh, all the photos from that trip, basically. And we're kickstarting it. And luckily, we made we already funded our goal of $25,000. So uh, that'll just keep going for the next 58 days, I believe. And we're going to release the mini documentary uh, probably in about a month once I'm done with that. And that, again, is also going to be... <laughs> weight off my shoulders for sure. But something I'm going to be really proud of because uh, I'm about three quarters of the way done right now. And just watching some of the clips back, I'm like, man, I'm glad. I'm glad that that, you know, I spent time to make that work. That's really cool. That's what, awesome. What was it like to be on the road with with uh, Senator Sanders? Um, I don't know how he does it. I, I, I It's nonstop. It was we would wake up at five, five, six a.m. and we would be on the road until nine o'clock at night. Stop for dinner, lunch. That's about it. And it was go time nonstop. I mean, he's wow. He's an older guy and he, this is pretty heart attack, but he, he would just, he was nonstop and anyone that stopped him, he would go and say hi and take the time, no matter how busy he was to, to talk to them and, you know, try and get their vote and all that. Um, I honestly didn't really talk to him at all. Um, it was kind of like we were behind yeah. the scenes, fly on the wall, you know, don't say, don't touch kind of thing. And, uh, I just don't know how they do it. It basically yeah. comes down to that. I couldn't imagine doing that for nine, 10 months out of the year, every single day. That's tough. Wow. Well, I hope that, uh, when I'm near his age that I have that much energy. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Cause yeah. I feel like, I feel like he has more than I have now. Yeah. I, I was <laughs> winded every single day by the end of the day. I'm like, Oh man, I don't know how he does it. I mean, there was times where I'm like, Jared, I gotta, I gotta drink some water, man. I gotta take a break. And as right. Bernie's like running around, you know, shaking hundreds of hands, you just need a camelback. Like when you're seriously and just have it in your mouth and be ready at all times. I wish I did. Yeah. yeah. Like a uh, Dwight Schrute. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I feel like weddings are long. I can't imagine uh, doing that for an entire yeah, it's it's brutal. And with documenting Jared, you know, I had to basically be filming 24 seven because I never know what he's going to capture or what's going to happen or, you know, what the story is going to be around the documentary. So that was that was tough. Um, what what uh, what did you film on for that? For that, I actually used a Z6, a Nikon Z6. Z6. And I will say continuous autofocus on that. Not the best option for running and gunning. <laughs> <laughs> Made it work. So, but so we've it was, heard. It was tough. Um, yeah. At the time, we were exclusively shooting with basically the Z6s because I do absolutely love the image that comes off the Nikon sensors. I think Nikon has some of the best quality looking images and, and photo, uh, video and photo. And 
I love the 6K to 4K downsample they had, the 24P option and everything. I, I just think their video was so crisp and, and sharp compared to the competition. I mean, the Sonys obviously are great too, but uh, I just love the the Nikon colors, what was coming off that sensor. So decided to try it. And for the most part, it worked. Obviously, there's going to be some hunting and stuff going on, but uh, for the run and gun stuff, I, I made it work. So then at the end of the day, then you have to dump cards and charge batteries. So you don't even yep. get to rest when you go back to your hotel room. You're Yeah. So, wow. so essentially, I, I'm... I would try to, you know, dump cards in the middle of the day if we went back to the hotel or once right before I go to bed, I would try and dump everything because basically you had no time in the morning to really get anything done. So you were just trying to, you know, get it all done right before you go to bed. And then, you know, you only have four hours left at that point until you wake up again and do it all over again. So like I said, I just, I can't, I couldn't, I could never do something like that all day, every day. And then also be nice to people too. Like he was, he's always really nice to people that he meets. And he's probably exhausted 24 seven, but he still will always stop and talk. So it's crazy. Did you add up all of the data you guys used up throughout those couple of days? I think I had two terabytes worth of data in two or three days, (laughs) I believe. Um, Wow. Was that 4K 4K or, yeah? Yeah, 4K. uh, Like I said, I pretty much didn't put the camera down. So just imagine filming it for, you know, 48 hours continuously almost. Um, Oh, geez. If you did 4K on on the R5, you'd have... 12 terabytes and the r5 would have probably overheated <laughs> after the first hour so it would have been a little rough yeah. I, I do i do absolutely love the r5 but i don't think i could ever trust it on a run and gun situation like that we do a lot of real yeah. world reviews now with it we're all running gun with him but i know i'm only gonna be filming for you know two three hours not 48 hours straight well, we're both r5 owners so we, i we absolutely understand. love the r5 that's what we <laughs> we shoot with the r5 exclusively now in studio we replaced all of our nikon equipment with uh, canon basically oh for like and the photo news fix and that yep. kind of stuff yeah and we do 4k hq uh just absolutely love that 8k to 4k down sample it's super sharp um yeah. colors are fantastic obviously with canon colors but uh yeah we we get by for the most part you know i get about 45 minutes sometimes an hour depending on the temperature uh out of the camera before it overheats and fully shuts down but the good thing is after you know a couple firmware updates you give it a couple minutes and at least you get you know five ten more minutes out of it so a lot of our projects are usually you know 30 minutes 40 minutes sometimes that we need to film obviously the end product is usually cut down to like 15 20 minutes but uh we usually get by with the r5s unless it's like a user guide which tend to be two hours, three hours of filming for us. So I'll dumb it down to regular 4K, uh, line skipped, whatever. And it's good enough. You know, no one really cares at that point. They're just trying to set up their camera. They don't really care about the quality of watching a user guide. So like how to tutorial on how to set your camera up. There's a little, uh, and you, you might you might know about this, to kind of avoid the line skip thing in 4K mode. Oh, um, HDMI out? No, no, no. Uh, if you actually crop, enable video cropping in 4K, mm. um, it doesn't do line skipping because then you're actually just punching in kind of like what the 5d4 would do it would you know it'd have to punch in but now you're not line skipping so it actually oh. looks hmm. pretty close to the 4k hq without having and it doesn't issues. it doesn't overheat as long as you're 24 frames still yeah wow that's good to know i'll definitely uh, need to try that next time i use that trick a lot for uh weddings um and even just normal shooting like a lot of the weddings i still do 1080 but um, having that crop factor in there, you're, you're because you're you have a technically an AK capable sensor. Mm-hmm. As you're cropping down, you're just using you know smaller pieces of the sensor, so you're not digitally zooming like you were on the like USR, let's say. But it's like having a whole extra lens on your camera at any time. So I park my 135 on there a lot of times for ceremony shots, and then use that digital punch in. Um, it's a cleaner image, and then also I get that extra reach without having to have uh, you know a massive lens. Interesting on my camera. Definitely. Definitely need to keep that in mind for next time. Yeah, side note, give it a try. Yeah, 
think. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think the R5 is is an excellent jack of all trades camera. I mean, a lot of people yeah. bitch about the overheating, which I completely understand, mm-hmm. but it's not like it overheats after five minutes. You know, you, you get a decent amount of time out of it before the overheating really starts. So if you're switching between modes too, like from my experience with weddings, I haven't had a situation where it's overheated yet because I'm primarily using, you know, 24 anyways, but switching between those modes, you, you get a little bit of that time back as you use it. Or if you get 10 minutes, you shut it off, yep. you know. And from a stills perspective, I've never, ever had it overheat. I, I assume oh, yeah. it's only in yeah. video, but yeah, because people, I've, I've seen people comment about like, you're using an R5 for photos? It's going to overheat. And I'm like, it's it's only for 4K for video or 8K, you know. Yeah. That's not even a, that's not even a, a, a qualified rumor. <laughs> I know. For video, yeah, sure. But uh, well, by the way, those those user guides that you make are fantastic. Uh, I, I, Thanks, even, even being just a, a guy who's been doing photos for a while, I, w- I watched through the R5 one and there was things that I'm like, oh, I didn't know that and <laughs> kind of adjusted. And then a friend of mine, he's in real estate photography, he bought an R6 and his previous camera, it's like a rebel that's over 17 years old. So that's, he went from like a 17 wow. year old. It was a 20D. Huge upgrade. 20D. Yeah. Yeah. To wow. the R6. And he's, he's, a and friend, he's a friend of mine. He's, he's, he's in his sixties and he just goes, I, I don't know how to begin to set this up. And I sent him your guys's guide and, uh, he, he brought it to me. We went and shot sunsets the other day and he goes, yeah, that setup video saved my life. I wouldn't have known where it's to awesome. find anything all the menus are so different after 15 years. Like, I couldn't yeah, imagine. Of course they are. <laughs> yeah, the, the user guides on, on occasion, I definitely have to, to force Jared to talk about certain features that, you know, he he's more Doesn't obviously use. a stills shooter. So yeah. when it comes to video, <laughs> I have to kind of you know, tell him like, you need to talk about this. This is really important. But, you know, sometimes we'll have a little fight about it. But in the end, we try to just deliver the best possible product. You know, um, we we want people to learn how to set the camera up. There's no question. That's that's excellent. And I I don't know of anyone who does it better. You guys, you guys are very thorough. I mean, every line of every menu, it just it's piece by piece. You get to go. Yeah, we try and I mean, we we, I don't I hate to say dumb it down, but we we try to to do that. Even when it comes to the outside of the camera, we'll explain like, here's the power on off switch but like some people you know yeah. they've never picked up a camera in their life and they don't even know how to insert a memory card or or yeah. the battery or take the lens off so no it's we try like and you assume they know nothing and exactly that way you teach them everything yep yeah. and if they if they know it that's fine but if they don't know it at least we covered all our bases um but those videos we like to call long burn videos uh basically get almost zero views right off the rip you know we expect five ten thousand views i think the r5 had like five thousand the first week but you know you look back on them a year or two from now you gained hundreds of subscribers from it because they're all generally new people um it has hundreds of thousands of views because people are searching how to set up an r5 or r6 or whatever it may be so they're great videos to do um but they just take a long time to do and again they're not really they're they're a little disappointing when we first release them the first week because they're they're not sexy videos like there's no cool b-roll that you have in them or anything straight to the point here's how to set up a camera done yeah that's it because it takes you know, I don't know, probably a whole week to edit something like something like that. And uh, probably half a day to produce one of those because it's probably three, four hours of filming cut down to two hours of video. So wow. it's tough. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Have you ever lost any footage or accidentally deleted huh. any Jared footage? Uh, I don't think I've ever deleted footage by accident, but I've definitely we've had issues once or twice with corrupt footage. Oh. So uh, corrupt right off the camera yeah. uh, on the memory card or the memory card maybe broke or something like that we've had that issue once or twice but besides that knock on wood we've been pretty good for the past seven eight years um 
I'm very big on like once I shoot, dump immediately, save mm-hmm. the backup, still don't use the card, don't reformat, don't do anything with it until that footage is produced, edited, exported, uploaded, done. Um, we back everything up on the cloud. We back everything up on our two servers. We pretty much have backups everywhere galore. Um, luckily, during the pandemic, we've had Dropbox um, that our servers connected to so we can remotely basically connect and um, drop files to each other uh, remotely. And it's incredible. Um, we all have Fios gigabit uh, internet. So we're all oh, plugged nice. in, hardwired, crazy fast internet speed. And it's worked out well. So if I shoot with Jared, I'll dump right at work, come home, dump again, and then uh, upload everything as well and have just backups everywhere. So unless it's a corrupt file, luckily it hasn't been my fault. <laughs> That's good. That's <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. I accidentally deleted a project a couple weeks ago and, and I, I, we talked about this on the podcast briefly, but I had, oh, uh, I had done a backup of my hard drive somewhere in the process. And so I had it. I had erased the card, which I never do. And I had some reason gone, oh, I don't need this for my desktop and deleted it and uh, went back in the backup, found it. And, and I was like preparing to call the client and just be like, hey, man, I totally screwed up and I owe you big time. Like, and instead I was like, okay, I just need a little extra time to edit it. <laughs> I, I thought I deleted it and I found it and I was... Uh, they were very relieved that I found Thank it. But yes, backing up and all that stuff is is so important because uh, yeah, I mean, I'll never know when a hard drive will fail or a card will fail or you know, there's there's so much stuff that's out of your control. What you can control is how quickly you dump cards and how and back up and stuff. When we shot the uh, 5D Mark IV Real World Review, um, if you remember the the bloated file size from oh, yeah. 4K video with that camera was insane. Motion JPEG. So we would go yeah. through. <laughs> yep, it's motion garbage. JPEG like five. 100 megabits per second data rate and we burned through probably 20 cf cards cf man i haven't used a cf express or regular cf card in a while compact flash uh we burned through probably 20 of those we actually had someone on site dumping them because i was literally dumping footage every four to five minutes um because i think you only got four minutes on like a 64 gig card or something like that yeah it was four gigabytes a minute that's it four gigs a minute yeah so it was you only get a few minutes out of it and we burned through probably three terabytes of footage um and that's the video where it was like a a band rehearsal yeah yep yep oh yeah so we did like a little music video in the middle uh that obviously took up a yeah good old cf i still have i should give these away i don't use them anymore (laughs) I gave them to the person who bought my 5D Mark IV. That's what I plan on doing when I sell my 5D IV because I have probably, I don't know, 40 CF cards because we we dealt with Lexar um, a lot when they were a company. Well, still are, but when they were the real Lexar and they would give us tons of cards and it's to the point where we don't use CF, CF cards at work anymore. So I have a lot of them at home and they're just sitting around collecting <laughs> dust. It's a shame. I uh, yeah. Fortunately, uh, on the topic of accidentally deleting stuff, I haven't accidentally deleted anything important um but dan and i actually did a project i guess it was last summer at this point um dan helped me film a, a bunch of new videos that i did for for uh drum stuff and um dan had gosh man we must have had two c200s from your side right we had overhead i had a gopro at some point set oh, up yeah but all wow. of the like main angle c200 footage i deleted somehow i have no idea i'm usually very meticulous about that stuff 
and I also don't delete cards or anything until I'm done with a project. But I, I just I deleted it, which sucked. <laughs> it's the absolute worst yeah. feeling when you either think you lost footage or when you confirm that you lost footage or, or yeah. got corrupt or whatever it may be. Your heart just sinks. There's nothing you can do. You just have to live with it and deal with it. And you know, you'll never get that footage back. It's it's I, I've definitely lost footage a lot to the point where I thought it was in on this hard drive and it happened to be somewhere else. And luckily I found it, but I've never permanently deleted something by accident. Thankfully, it reminds me of that feeling when I was a troublemaker in, in like middle school and I'd get called to the principal's office. That that is the yep. feeling of losing footage. Like I've done something and, or, or when a cop yeah, pulls yeah. you over yeah. or something. I was having this conversation. Yeah. I was driving with my boss the other day where it doesn't matter if a cop pulls behind me. I'm always like, he's going to get me. I'm like, what? A, yeah. What Even have I you done? Nothing I've wrong. done nothing wrong. I'm not speeding. I didn't, <laughs> yep, I didn't yep. rob a liquor store. Like what, what, what do I think he's going to get me for? Still got this yeah. gut feeling. You're like, I don't, I'm going to get he, he, I'm gonna go to jail. He, you know, he'll turn somewhere else and my, my uh, blood pressure goes down and I'm like, okay, I can drive normal again. Yep. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about style and, and stuff. You know, um, I think uh, you have a wide range of style, but you see these trends that happen where like um, weddings during nuclear winters where the, the, the sky is white and everything is uh, overexposed and then bright, bright uh, and airy, just yeah. say it bright and airy, bright and airy. Yeah. <laughs> or you see like the, um, everyone's, you know, crushing their blacks, you know, where they, the, you know, a black shirt, like what I'm wearing or what all of us are wearing is suddenly like sure. less black because of that. What, what trends do you love? What trends do you, do you dislike? Is this from a stills standpoint? Yeah. Still standpoint. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, uh, I am indifferent about the light and airy look. I love it, but also hate it at the same time. Uh, from a technical standpoint, having that high key overexposed look is a little rough for me to take in. Yeah. Uh, however, I do. If you do it right, I think it looks really good. Uh, I I don't know how it will hold up over time. I think it yeah. will be dated at some point. A lot of these fads. Uh, for example, we just got our engagement photos done, and our photographer is she does light and airy, which I think she does a really good job with that. But there were definitely certain photos that we got back that I'm like, that's ah, a little too hot, you know, like a little too overexposed for some of these photos. Um, but I, I do think... <sighs> Again, it will look a little dated when you look back on them in 20, 30 years. Uh, you can never go wrong with just a, a clean, perfectly, properly exposed and edited photograph. Uh, I think the the other style that's kind of big is like having that like uh, that like dark tan skin tone look, uh, oh, really yeah. adjusting the skin tones. Um, I think that looks a little weird, especially on certain skin tones. It's a little overdone. Um, but yeah, I, I'm pers- that's that's how I do it. <laughs> do you? No, I'm no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Just want to make you feel awkward for a second. <laughs> I, I'm hit or miss though, because I'll run through my own presets, and sometimes I'm like, I didn't think I would like that on this photo, but it actually works really well. I think one thing that I don't like is when people use certain styles or presets in a collection of photos, um, and they're all different. Oh, like yeah, they're using yeah, a light yeah. and airy photo, they're using a high key photo, they're using a, a muted photo. Like it's all over the place. I think you need to be consistent with your style. If you're putting a carousel on Instagram, for example, you want them all to be the same edited preset or same style yeah. i think that's when it's a little overboard when they uh when they start going with different styles do you think there's a there's an, uh, an ability to be timeless with the way you edit photographs 
I think there's an ability. Uh, I think it's a very tough thing to do. Uh, I think you need to have the proper eye for something like that. Um, you also need to be maximum contrast, <laughs> maximum contrast. It's tough. Yeah, it's definitely tough to, for the timeless look for sure. I think the point I'm at it with with my with my photography is I, I like many different styles and I haven't found mine yet. I've, I find myself copying things I've seen before or um, choosing to edit based on uh, a client's preferred style. But I don't have like, this is a Dan Hartman photo look, mm, I don't think. Yeah. And that's been the hardest thing for me as uh, just getting better as a photographer is going, what is my style? What is what is me? And, and, and trying to figure that out. Do you, you have any advice for someone looking for, for that kind of uh, moment in their photography? career do you yeah. in the end of the day you know it's whatever you prefer whatever you think looks right at the end of the day is what you should be doing a lot of people will go and see what's popular or what's trending and try and mimic that style whatever you prefer is what you should be doing um, Jared for example prefers boomified crazy contrast I'm the complete opposite he does what he wants and I do what I want yeah. um, we're all different at the end of the day uh, it's hard to define your style yeah don't, don't get me wrong it definitely is um, I think again you Using presets, I think it's great to kind of find your style that way yeah. because you can kind of figure out what you like and what you don't like and take a piece from each one and make your own version or make your own, you know, preset or style or whatever it may be. Um, I think that's a great starting point for a lot of people starting out. But do you yeah. at the end of the day? Well, that's great advice. Uh, I do media and and tech uh, for my church. Uh, uh, and one of the things that we, we did pretty early on was we defined styles, colors, fonts, mm. and that sort of thing. Um, the aesthetic. Yeah. And uh, Ovaltine from Pro Pack One is mm. what we put on every single photo. Nice. And, and nice. Uh, people always comment, oh, I love that. I love the way you, you edit these photos. And uh, yeah, so I'm always <laughs> like, yeah, this is, this is, you can buy these presets here. And uh, I don't know if anyone has because most people are just iPhone photographers. But yeah, that's, that's, our, that's our brand go-to is the Ovaltine preset in Lightroom. That's awesome. See, I never get to hear these things from people. You know, I never get feedback from uh, directly from a person. So that's, that's really cool to hear. Um, I, I think one thing we're going to try and push hard this year is mobile presets, mobile photography yeah. um, with Lightroom because Lightroom CC on the phone, the iPhone at least, is really powerful these days. And the presets, they just recently did an update and they load incredibly fast now. I feel like it's finally time for prime time to uh, like, like I even had my fiance's sister tell me that she bought a preset pack and uses Lightroom and she knows nothing about photography. Wow. So for it to be that popular that, you know, people like that are, are starting to get presets and use them on their mobile phone and their mobile photography or just JPEGs, you know, nothing crazy. Yeah. That, that blows my mind. And I think we need to start you know, focusing more on that aspect. I, I try and tell Jared from time to time, we really need to step away from Lightroom desktop and start pushing towards mobile. I mean, obviously do both. I'm yeah. more of a desktop guy personally, oh, me too. but we need to sprinkle in some, uh, some mobile stuff for sure. No, just the other day I was, I went uh, and played golf and I, I wanted to take my camera with me because I really wanted to capture some cool images at this golf course I'd never been at, but I didn't want to just have my Carry camera around. in the cart yeah. the whole time. It just, it, it felt unsafe to me. And so I ended up just, shooting with my iPhone and, and Lightroom mobile and some of the shots I got were really great because I was able to just I have fro pack one in there uh, I don't know nice. why I haven't loaded two or three in there yet but I, I I just have one in there well 
so that's my only complaint about uh, Lightroom CC is the the way you have to sync the presets, I think, is a, is a pain in the ass. How you have to do it from the desktop oh, yeah. to then copy over and you have to be a paying member of the Adobe suite. Um, I just wish there was an, a much easier option. I know there's workarounds that people do, but for it to really work, you have to sync it from Lightroom CC. And that's just annoying for me, especially I'm switching between my personal account and Jared's account a lot of times oh, for work. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to be on his account and then sync the presets and then mess with his account. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes that's a little weird with us. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's like a way to, I know the workaround for people is they like, they'll send you a photo, like, like a, a photo that they've taken and it has all the settings in it. And then you have to go and copy and paste every time. Which I, I, I've actually, I bought somebody's pack to, to see how they did it um, because it specifically said you do not need an Adobe account. And I'm like, how are they getting around that? And I had to read their PDF and read step by step. And, you know, I eventually figured it out and it wasn't that hard. But I think from for a, for a person that doesn't normally use presets, I think that's a tough workaround to mm-hmm. have to go in there, save a preset, all of that. Yeah. And it just becomes a pain. Well, and it's a tough sell for someone who just wants to snap a photo and, and, exactly. and post it. An Instagram filter is going to be way easier than doing. Yep, yep. And that's what they'll end up using, which is which is hard. For sure. Yeah. So I have a, um, I'm a little bit of a technical sided person when it comes to photo and video. That was probably like you and me both. Some of the first things I learned was all the technical stuff. And so when I people, when I see people, you know, crank shutters and oh, don't break the rules around Aaron. Shoot, shoot video at one eight hundredth of a second. Yeah, do those odd little things. You're like, oh, something looks off about this. What's going on here? <laughs> no um, hundred eighty degree shutter. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so I I have some technical questions for you because sure. I'm always interested to hear like how how behind the scenes stuff kind of happens um and i think i might have asked you some of this stuff before when we've when we've talked um Mm -hmm. through the through the instagrams or whatever when you guys do uh your filming like say if it's a long form or even some of the shorter form stuff like you know photo fix and all that um I know you already mentioned usually you guys are 24, but are you shooting log on these things? Um, are you doing a lot of color grading after the fact? What does what that like workflow kind of look like? So we are not shooting log, um, mainly for our workflow purposes, because we're literally cranking out videos almost every other day. Uh, I strictly shoot in a, basically a custom profile, but it's essentially neutral, zero sharpening, lowered contrast, lowered saturation. And then I will tweak that with Lumetri and Premiere after the fact uh, and add some sharpening as well. But yeah, no log. Uh, we're 24p, uh, R5s, 4K HQ. Um, I try to keep, we usually shoot with Sennheiser Labs uh, or the uh, Deity uh, shotgun mics or a road shotgun mic, whatever we have available if we're doing some of the uh, the more formal uh, sets. But for the most part, it's throw lav on Jared, make sure the preamp, uh, the um, mic input is you know cranked all the way down to just setting one so you're not getting any noise or anything like that. Um, and the preamps on the Sennheiser Labs anyway, they're they're great. You really, you can crank them up and and you really won't get any noise. Um, but that's essentially it. And well, I usually shoot base ISO for the most part. Um, so since I'm not shooting log, I'm usually at like 100 or maybe even 200 ISO, but I try and add more light if I can. I hate, you know, I understand from a photography standpoint, you could, especially from a concert photography standpoint, you can easily crank up the ISO and don't be scared of noise and all that. But I think with video, it's a completely separate story. I much prefer to be more base ISO or yeah. 800 if I'm shooting log. Um, or is it, is it, is it even lower now? Well, is so, so C log is 400 C log three is 800. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the C log, we tried for a few days to, uh, 
to do it that way. And it just, I'm not great at grading personally, uh, at least in Premiere. So I just felt like the color just wasn't there. And for just for our workflow, I wanted to make it quick, slap on this preset, done, export. Um, because again, we're cranking out videos almost every day. It makes sense. And it, it, I think it also makes sense because you guys, you know, actually take time to, to get your lighting set up right and everything, how you want it to look. So if you're not dealing with poorly shot footage, I mean, I think that that's going to help most people out in the long run is save time by shooting it up in a picture profile instead of log. So I could get that. Yeah. And then if we're running and gunning outside on a sunny day, I'll bring a variable ND with me and slap mm -hmm. it on and mm -hmm. still try and keep that 180 degree shut 180 degree shutter and uh, shoot wide open. I, I'm a big fan of shooting wide open for most projects. Yeah. Um, depending obviously what the scene is and what we're filming, but uh, I do, I'm a big fan of depth of field for sure. Oh yeah. What's Same. your, yeah. what's your go-to ND field? Uh, we have the Peter McKinnon one. We use a lot. Oh, the Pumvund. Um, we have uh, another brand. I can't recall. We got it years ago. But uh, from Alan's camera, we we get a lot of stuff from from there. Um, we love Brandon over at Alan's camera. He's he's good people. He's great to us. And yeah, I can't remember the brand, but we have a bunch of different ND filters. Obviously, we get sent a lot yeah, sure. to test out. So I just kind of grab whatever's there, and I'm like, oh, it's good enough. A little bit of a green shift, but I can fix that. That's can cool. actually, I, I can confirm that people at Alan's camera are good. Actually, I think Brandon is who I used to deal with um, when I still yeah, worked so at Magmod. He's Alan's son. Yep. Um, uh, when Alan passed, he essentially took over the business, and Brandon's always been good people. He, he will help you out until, you know, you don't need help anymore. <laughs> He'll be there all night for you, uh, explaining everything and, you know. That's really cool. Trying to help you out. Yeah. Uh, what, what's one thing our, our town does not have, we live in Tucson, Arizona, is a great camera shop. There's the one and only shop is is 100% uh, biased towards Nikon. Uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And wow. they'll, they'll they'll work on your Canon, but he'll he'll want to switch you over to Nikon. <laughs> there, there's more than one shop here. Where's, well, there's the one main shop. Are you talking about Monument Which, Camera? No, I'm talking about, well, there's Jones Photo and Monument. Oh, uh, those are the other two, but the, are they as... I've never been to either of those. Monument never carried Magmod stuff. Um, Jones Photo did, so they're the only real. Uh, they're the only real <laughs> camera shop in your mind? Boy, you Magmod fanboy. Uh, <laughs> I do love Magmod. Yeah. I do. I'm, yeah. I'm using the uh, the Mag Box right here to provide lighting. I got a Mag yeah, Bounce great. on my LED light. <laughs> I have wonderful, crappy Sunlight. daylight. <laughs> <laughs> my exposure's all right. When you guys said you weren't uh, filming this, I'm like, all right, cool. I don't yeah. have to worry about bring, breaking out the R5 or anything. I, I tried setting up my R5 before this just to use it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm on a M1 Mac and Big Sur, and Canon doesn't support either of those. No M1, uh, no Big Sur. They're still stuck with Catalina. And I, I, like I'm on Big Sur, and I'm using my USR. Well, good for you. <laughs> Sorry. It doesn't work with M1. Maybe it's the operator Dude. error. <laughs> User error. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, I, so uh, I actually, I, I love the M1. I did, um, I have the Mac Mini I got because I have this nice BenQ monitor to go along with it. I love the BenQ monitors. Yeah, I... I've got one of the lower end ones, lower end as far as BenQ goes. Um, sure, yeah. But it's it's they get pretty pricey. Twenty seven four K. It does ten or uh, ten bit four two two. Does a job. It does everything I needed to, and actually the colors pretty accurate. I've been pretty happy with it. It does HDR too and all that. Um, yeah, no, the the M one has been it actually blew me away. We. I originally bought one for my wife, a uh, MacBook Air M1, because she went back to do uh, some schooling and uh, she needed a personal. She's I don't think she's ever owned a personal computer. She's always used her work one or, or whatever. So we got her that. Um, and man, just the speed on it I was insane. And I had a 
fully max out 15 inch macbook pro like with everything it could get in it and uh that little macbook air would just run circles around it wow that's insane i did a little uh for to put like numbers to it i did a little render test i took a a minute of 8k footage from the r5 canon mm-hmm. codec didn't change anything rendered it on that 15 inch macbook pro that i had and then did it on my m1 took 40 minutes in premiere to render out a one minute clip with uh i had a, i had a light grade on it nothing crazy and it took 10 minutes on this m1 so it was about 25 percent of the time that's crazy wow so so you're seeing performance improvements even in premiere on m1 i'm seeing a premiere i'm seeing lightroom like when i open lightroom i thought I, it was more final cut but that's great to know fi- final cut is like i so i rendered out a a project that I need a lot of heavy noise reduction on in Premiere, and it was going to take like two days. So I jumped over to Final Cut and applied some there on my like final QuickTime file that I had. Um, And man, I think it took like 12 minutes in Final Cut, and it was going to take me two days in Premiere. So there is a huge difference still with Final Cut, but yeah, man, I'll I'll click on Lightroom, and I mean, I'm talking maybe a three-second delay till I'm editing photos. I'll tell you when if <laughs> editing uh, either R5 photos or A1 photos or A7R4, you know, any high megapixel photo, it's just crawls in Lightroom, oh, uh, especially if I'm shooting hundreds of photos with the R5 or something like that. Yep. I have a tough time with my uh, iMac Pro. Now, this is also three, four years at this three, four, three, four years old at this point, but still it shouldn't be crawling like that no. for a fairly expensive machine. Mm-hmm. And we have our uh, we have our Mac Pro that my other editor has. And that thing is pretty decked out for the most part. And, you know, we spent probably 16 grand on that. <laughs> and now you're looking at the M1s coming out and it's like you could probably get something that's faster than that. Yeah. Six, 16 grand on the Mac Pro, you said? The Mac so Pro. Got, so this is the base model? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the cheapest model. Yeah. <laughs> Did you pay the extra several hundred dollars for the wheels? Oh, my God. <laughs> or, or the $5,000 for the monitor? Uh, well, it doesn't include the stand for the monitor. Just That's it. Yeah. $1,000 stand. $1,000 stand. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, but have you guys seen that monitor in, in person? No. Uh, Jared it, did, oh, but I didn't. It is. I heard good things. Oh, it's great. I would hope for that price. If it fit your budget and it fit like what you needed it for, it is beautiful. It does not fit my budget, uh, sadly. <laughs> not mine either. Not mine either. I, I'm just anxious for, for Apple to come out with pro versions of like the iMac yep. is not a pro. I mean, you can't have two ports and be a pro thing. I mean, Apple might try, but I want, I want to see what the MacBook Pro, like the 15 or the 16, whatever they land on and whatever they do with a Mac Pro with the M1 or the MX1, whatever they're calling the next yep. version of it. I mean, or the uh, or the iMac Pro or something yeah, like that. Yeah, be anxious to see what they do with something like that because yeah, if, if these consumer level ones that they're releasing first uh, are cooking the, the pros from just last year or, or year before, I yeah. can't imagine what the pro level do. I mean, I, I, I would be livid if I just bought a high-end Apple products last year and suddenly these M1s are coming out and blowing them out of the water. Well, and I used to work at Apple, so I used to tell people, don't buy the Generation 1. They're figuring it out. They'll fix it yep. all in Generation 2. And uh, Aaron bought it and he seems to be happy. And so I, I don't know how many times, even in the last couple of weeks, I've looked at the Mac Mini and get almost hit by like very close 
And the Mac Mini, it's it's really it's kind of cheap, right? It's, it's like eight hundred. It bucks starts or at six ninety nine with eight gigs of RAM, but everyone says you have to get it with the the, the additional RAM because you can't. It's classic Apple form. You can't update the yeah. hard drive or the RAM after the fact. Well, it's all it's system on chip, so everything's integrated. So uh, I think it's like the eight. It's, yeah, it's the eight ninety nine version is the one that like kills. We'll say eight ninety nine. That's that's so that's cheap. really affordable. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And if you already yeah. have a monitor, I mean, and like eight. And monitors, you could just buy, if you're just using it for you know browsing and nothing crazy, you can buy a hundred dollar monitor. Oh yeah, easily less than that. You can go to a pawn shop yeah. and get one even cheaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the reasons I kind of bit the bullet on this Mac Mini because um, even great. if even if six months after buying it they come out with you know a MacBook Pro that's crazy fast and it's only fifteen hundred dollars you know for a max out version i'm not going to be upset because i mean i spent next to nothing on this mac mini and i have yep. this you know nice monitor that i can use in tandem with my macbook already so yeah, i've made it easy to buy it and buy first gen that's great what are you uh, excited about that's that you think is is next to come and and like photography videography like is it is it gear is it uh accessories like is there something that you're like man what this thing that might be coming out next is really exciting i i, I I am excited personally for uh, the Holy Trinity being F2 now at this point mm. with Canon. Now, this is all rumors, mm. but they have the 28 to 70 F2, which is a beast of a lens. Also, it's expensive, but it is an incredible lens. Oh, here I we go. It. Let's show off time um, for Dan. <laughs> you got the oh, 28 yeah. to 70? Just got it two days ago. That thing is a I got it two days boy. ago, and I sent Aaron a picture. And I'm like, I can't believe how big it is. And then, of course, he sent back. That's what she said. And uh, Well, I mean, you set me up. I had it's, it's to. Heavy yeah, too. It's heavy, It's so so yeah. heavy and it makes my r5 look it's tiny. really heavy <laughs> i you almost need a grip with the r5 yeah. at that or point like a, to a balance tripod it out. collar when you put it yep. on a tripod that's the only issue i have with the rf lenses at this point they they end up coming out at the bottom so if you have a tripod plate and you don't have a grip on the r5 you have to physically adjust the tripod plate when you're switching lenses it's really a pain um but the f2 i love that lens they're rumoring to have a ultra wide f2 like a 14 to 24 or wow. something like that or a 10 to 24 uh they're saying you also have the telephoto so telephoto zoom 70 to 200 or i think they're saying like a 70 to 160 or something but just imagine if you had that trinity of all f2s it just brings your photography to oh. the next, next level at that point and it's almost like you have all the primes in your pocket as well with three lenses that's what i was thinking with the 28 to 70 is like this replaced so many primes yep because it's at f2 it just it's it changes the game it's really cool it's it's incredible i mean again you're going to pay for it but that's what i'm personally excited for is all of the rf glass uh coming out and just how creative they're getting with uh and forward thinking with the uh, mirrorless mount and everything yeah. oh yeah when we when we talked to the engineers when the EOSR came out, they said that they're able to do things that they could have never done with a DSLR because of the flange distance. So they're able to do crazy ultra wides. Um, again, F2 lenses, all of that stuff without it being a massive lens. It's still big, yeah. but <laughs> not as big as it could be. Well, exactly. It would be, yeah. man, it would be so perfect if they had, let's say, let's say even a, a 15 to 28, for instance, F2, yep. and then they had the 2870 F2, and then like a 70 to 150 F2, especially with, you know, when you start getting into higher megapixel stuff on the r5 as much as you know some people hate cropping um it's a real world thing that who happens specifically doesn't like cropping <laughs> who doesn't who doesn't like cropping? i have no idea um <laughs> uh yeah so i mean if you you have a 70 to 150 or even a 140 like you you put it in the in the crop mode or even you know crop after the fact if you want to you're still getting the same reach you did before but now you're at f2 like it's 
that sounds yeah. insane. We actually, speaking of cropping, we just did, we filmed a video a few days ago about teleconverters and why we're not huge fans of teleconverters and how they're very misleading for mm-hmm. beginners um, because they essentially think you can double your focal length and there's no caveats or loss of image quality <laughs> or anything when it's quite the opposite. Yeah, um, your ISO a lot of image degra- yeah. degradation and yeah, and crazy high ISO because you're doubling your f-stop and all that. But anyway, we took a regular shot with an F uh, R5 and we took one with a teleconverter, cropped the regular shot to match the teleconverter. And it was, it's like, you couldn't even tell it's oh, cropped. Man. Super clean, really? looked way better than the actual teleconverter. Essentially, I would never use a teleconverter. I would just shoot with the R5 and crop and post if I really needed that extra wow. reach. Because 45 megapixels, you can crop 50% and you're still looking at a pretty sizable yeah. image. Yeah. And it has the built-in crop mode now too. So even if you want to be able to see yep. it before, you, you know, you can, you can still see that. I use the crop mode a lot for, uh, for video. I just wish there was an easier, quicker way to like a dedicated button where I can just punch in real quick while I'm like filming or something like that. Oh yeah. That'd be cool. Because Sony, you could do that with Sony. You could do it. Nikon, I could customize it to do it that way. That would be nice. But Canon, I feel like I, I think I still have to go into the menu and yep. turn it on physically. And what I hate is when you go in and then disable it and you're back into your 4k mode it basically resets your 4k frame rate and all that it always bumps it to like 4k 60 or something along those lines so i it's an issue that we've talked to canon about a couple of times and i don't know if they're going to fix it or not well it's a beautiful thing about the mirrorless world is you can get a firmware update that cures all your ailments yeah i'm glad they are they are finally going the you know sony and nikon route and really doing a lot of firmware updates because in the past it would be minor minor updates and now they're really giving you some some new stuff with these updates that's that's what i feel like is going to be the future i know you know this kind of what we were talking about a minute ago the computers it's, it's all in software and like the things that cell phones can do with high dynamic range and you know with with adding portrait mode and doing depth effect where there isn't any kind of depth of field out of small sensor like imagine if all of that technology and these tiny sensors arrived to full frame or medium format sensors like it would be insane i mean there's i just feel like the options or the things that they can do there with software is going to be a huge part of the future for mirrorless cameras yeah. agreed i'm all for it there's so many possibilities well, that's, that's interesting yeah. that you're when does that video release about the teleconverter uh we just filmed it on thursday i believe so maybe next week maybe the week after i'm not sure we kind of just put it in our uh in nice. the can for now and we'll get to it when we get to it but uh we have some other things coming out so we have to get to them first should i I hold off on posting this uh, until after you guys do do that then? <laughs> no, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. it's all good. I, I used to shoot football for, for a local high school here, and I only had a 70 to 200, and I couldn't really get close enough to get good shots. And so I, I went on KEH and bought a used teleconverter, a 2X teleconverter. And it gets me closer and gets me better shots. But man, I had to clean up a ton of noise because it shoots the ISO up there. And then when yeah. the, the guys from the papers would come with their 400, you know, 2.8s or whatever, and they're like, how do you shoot with that like <laughs> kind of snobby and i'm like it's all it's all i can like afford a, yeah, sir or two eight yeah exactly got twelve thousand lens sitting on their ten thousand on their yeah, camera yeah. and i'm like well i bought it for myself so that's the difference but no, yeah. knowing that now yeah. i can go with a 70 to 200 without the teleconverter and then just crop in for this next season i'm, I'm, I'm gonna try that yeah and with uh you know we tried to mimic what uh, a lot of people using teleconverters are probably shooting like nature or, or yeah. fast action or something along those lines where they can't be that close to the subject but they're trying to to stop the subject and freeze them so i assume they're probably shooting at one one thousand two one thousand you know one two thousandth uh anything any high shutter speed for the most part so we tried to mimic 
mimic that. And we ended up being close to 10,000 ISO when we put the teleconverter on, you know, and then you're back down to 2000 ISO when it's off. So it's, it's a huge jump when it comes to noise. That's, that's, uh, I never thought of it that way. That's incredible. I look forward to that video. Yeah. Yeah. Jared scripted it out and everything. Um, he made some really good points. So I think the only profession that I could see a teleconverter being used in is like detective work or, or PI work where you're trying to look and see a subject from far away and it doesn't really matter about image quality oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Or um, maybe a photojournalist where they're just trying to capture the moment um, and not really, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. So I could see that. But besides that, um, I had bought a teleconverter when I first started shooting and I used it like two, two times. Wow. And photojournalists park at F8 anyway, so they don't mind the loss exactly. in, in uh, stops. <laughs> That's yep. true. Man, let me tell you. So th- since doing, um, I, I do a lot of brand work um, these days. Uh, photos, videos, stuff like that. Uh, I have never lived north of F8 so much in my life. Because when you when oh. you do like commercial work and you're doing product work and you're up close uh, and you really want to get you know detail, like they want to see the whole product. Unless you're doing lifestyle shoots, you know they want to see the whole thing. So I'm um, yeah, I'm usually I'll, I'll go to F16, F22 sometimes if I'm on my 100 macro and it takes a lot of light. But is is this for video or photo? Photo usually photo. Did you ever try the the focus stacking in the R5? I did actually. Yeah. So I just I think. Maybe I was telling you about this, Dan, the other day where, yeah, you can set like the focus point and then tell it tell how many different stop. steps and yep. all that stuff. It's, it's pretty incredible. Uh, and it is. Yeah. If you use their software, you can. We tried it with the RP when it first came out. I think that's when mm-hmm. they announced the focus, focus bracketing. And uh, you can really clean up the image and tell it like sometimes it messes up because um, yeah. it does like an automatic depth and blur. You could add that or remove it or whatever. But it does a really fantastic job and you could still be, you know, a little shallower if you wanted to be or lower ISO. And Yeah. I've, I've used it a few times on until the software gets there to kind of it, support it is, that. It's, yeah. It seems it's, a little outdated too. The software just yeah. seems archaic. <laughs> it does. It seems like you're opening a time machine. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just easier for me to shoot really, really close down and then yeah. just add the light. Cause then I'm, I'm just editing one or maybe two photos in post. I don't have to worry about it. Macro is tough. It is. It's fun though. I enjoy it. I just get to sit here in my office and set up a little station and fire away. Yeah. And then send them to Dan at two o'clock in the morning. So you can, tell me if it sucks or not yeah. <laughs> Aaron's very talented he he has a really good eye and a great editor and I've learned uh he got into photos before me and so he's been a great mentor along with obviously uh the videos that you shot and edited Stephen so that's awesome yeah that's cool that you guys can bounce ideas off of each other too yeah yep. I don't really have any uh none of my friends are really into the you know technology and photography and videography game well dude anytime you want send send stuff over man yeah <laughs> i can always bounce ideas off jared but yeah I'll that's true tend to get like a crazy critique from him that i didn't ask for so <laughs> you need more contrast did you crop this yeah, why exactly. aren't your lines straight my style is obviously a little different than his so he'll, he'll recommend stuff that i'm like ah aaron aaron picks on the don't crop policy but i i will say it's helped me get better shots in camera if i go in thinking i'm not gonna crop exactly then i get the better shot than than thinking oh i can just crop this later and that's essentially his mentality even though yeah. he will never ever crop a photo basically yeah <laughs> but uh the mentality is basically you you try not to crop if you do it's fine but you try and get it best in camera if you can yeah 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 that's that's always a goal of course yeah but i'll crop if i need to oh yeah and the, the thing where it comes in super handy um is like if i'm if i'm doing a brand video I'll shoot it 16 by nine, of course, you know, normal Mm, horizontal, but a lot of times I need to make a square version. I need to make a four by five version. Mm. I need to make a 16 by nine version. So I'll shoot with a little bit of extra space 
thinking about that in advance because then I can, and, and I'm in 4K too, so I can actually crop vertically. I can crop square, and it still makes sense without having to do the like awkward digital reframing. Yeah, oh, yeah. It never looks natural. Never. No. I agree. So it, it can be useful, but and I think I, I might be the only. I think the only reason I'm not so much on the don't ever crop camp is the first like professional work I did was weddings. So obviously, naturally, you want to try and get the best shot in camera all the time. But there's so much fix it in post when it comes to like, I I can never capture this moment again. I just had to take the shot and then, you know, worry about delivering the best thing later. I I love uh, personally using the transform tool, too, in Lightroom a lot where it will really fix your lines and your edges. And, um, you know, you don't need a tilt shift lens almost anymore. You can do architecture and fix your lines. So obviously, sometimes when I when I know I'm doing a shot like that I'll shoot a little wider knowing that transform will probably crop it in but also correct all the distortion in the lens so I'm a big fan of that tool and I think it's not used like it should be <laughs> it's one of my favorites as well yeah yep I feel you <laughs> well uh Dan do you have any other questions you had on your uh your docket there just just one uh Stephen uh you've got I can see it behind you a picture of of uh bridge you've taken several oh, shots yeah. like that um one for I think Kobe yeah uh, when they when they painted it purple because that's his hometown and then I think maybe another one for St. Patrick's Day or maybe it was when the Eagles won the Eagles Super won the Super Bowl yeah yeah is is there do you sell prints do you is there anything we can promote for you that that you're doing uh I do not I don't sell prints uh <laughs> I joke with the the ongoing joke with with me and Jared is that uh, I still have not made a website for myself in the eight years I've been working for him. Oh my <laughs> Even gosh. though we promote Squarespace all the time. <laughs> so when I, he's yelling about people not making websites, he's talking about you. He's talking about me. <laughs> so it's an ongoing joke. Like he'll be like, "Oh, Stephen, just put it on your website." Oh man. <laughs> um, but no, I do not. I honestly just use Instagram for the most part, which I barely use, as you yeah. mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, I just. Those those shots, a lot of those were taken because I was literally coming home from work, saw the lights on. You know, I'm right near the bridge. Obviously, I had to cross the bridge to get to Jersey, and I had all my gear on me, and I just happened to take a photo. Now that one specifically behind me is uh is taken during the day, and that was when the pandemic hit, and uh, they had all the jets flying over the major cities. So I happened to literally, I was running and took that shot um, because I just saw them as they were coming across the skyline and I wasn't in my position yet because they closed down all the roads and everything. Uh, and I happened to just take it last minute and I got one frame that was usable and I ended up cropping the crap out of that one because, uh, I had to rotate it. And I, like I said, I was in a rush trying to take it. So I just took it just to take it, fix it in post type deal. And uh, it worked out well, but no, I should sell prints, but I, uh, especially with all my photography, uh, with my concert photography stuff, I have a lot of stuff in my archive that I would love to sell one day yeah. as long as I didn't have to sign a, a waiver of some sort. Yeah. Do it. Well, here uh, you can sign up for Squarespace, not sponsored. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty easy. Squarespace.com <laughs> slash bro. Jared tells all the time. That's that's what I, I, I actually switched to um, them. I, I keep wanting to say not sponsored, but we're not big enough to say those things. Uh, I switched to that, gosh, man, maybe like middle of last year, just because everybody was talking about it. It seemed to hit. Um, it's, I actually quite enjoy it. It's a lot cheaper than where I was. I was hosted on Zenfolio before. Mm. So I do that. And then I just host my galleries on Pixie set. Jared loves it. We, uh, we recently did started a campaign called fund a photographer.com. Um, oh, that's where we're so cool. giving, yeah. yeah, it's, it's great. We, uh, 
uh, we got Canon to give a lot of gear to us that they were basically going to destroy um, and write off. And it's older equipment, but who cares when it's only 10 years old, if that. I mean, we have 400 2.8s, 600 F4s, a lot of expensive equipment. Wow, and yeah, we're wow. trying to basically team up with inner city schools, uh, struggling schools with limited budgets and give them uh, essentially free gear for their students. Um, and when you can start off with a 7D and a 400 2.8, I mean... Pfft, that's great. I didn't have that when I was in college. I'll tell you that. No. Oh yeah. Or high school. But uh, well, anyway, you, you Jared made sports with that. Yeah, Jared made a uh, fundofphotographer.com off Squarespace, um, along with the Bernie Kickstarter page. Uh, he also made a Squarespace site for the Bernie book uh, in literally yep. an hour, maybe. And for him to make yeah. a website that quick, I was like, wow, it looks good too. It looks clean. It looks, it's straight to the point. Um, I just still have yet to do it for myself. I've heard they have award-winning templates. Is it award-winning templates? <laughs> award-winning, yeah. Oh. Now we got Squarespace, Dan. So, <laughs> so then it leads us all back to that question is how come that you haven't done it? <laughs> I'm lazy. <laughs> I know, uh, I'm, I'm lazy. I'm and, and I think for me, I'm such a perfectionist oh, and I yeah. don't have my... F- I'd have to go back and re-edit a lot of the photos I took back in the day. I mean, we're talking 10, 15 years worth of concert photography and uh, mm-hmm. weddings and stuff like that. And I think for me, not having all of that ready and prepared, um, that's the main reason I did not launch a website because I want to make sure all that stuff fully up. I have the best of the best of my work that I want to showcase yep. and it's ready to go. And I think it just comes down to I'm so busy that I never get around to it. <laughs> when I have some free time, I just want to relax, you know? Yep. And again, I kind of turn off work when I go home. So the last thing I want to think about is... A website or photography. <laughs> well, that, well, that's good. Keep turning work off when you go home. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, try. It's not easy. Not easy. Well, uh, so we'd love to, uh, if, if you don't mind, I know you said you don't post a lot, but we'd still love to push people out to find you online anyways and check out, you know, the work you do have up yeah. from two years ago. Um, what uh, you said, Instagram. So tell us your Instagram and anywhere else that people can find you. It's uh, S S underscore Eckert, E-C-K-E-R-T. That's my Instagram. And I believe it's That's the same handle Twitter. for my Twitter. Yeah. Yep. So. And uh, we'll put some we'll put some links in the notes, too. But cool. I should probably update those profile photos because they're probably 12 years old at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if anybody does uh, go and find Steven on, on the uh, Instagram or Twitter. Uh, you can just comment on some of his older stuff. Let him know you you were sent by yeah. uh, the yeah. AV Room yeah. podcast. Just right. And, and any, please make a website on every photo. <laughs> <laughs> any any uh, YouTube video too with with Frono's photo. Uh, I religiously read those comments and monitor and nice. uh, try to respond if I can when it comes to production questions or anything technical. Um, I, I like feedback. I like hearing from people. I like seeing you know. I like coming back and I, I feel like there's finally that I can chat with our audience. It's you know, when you produce a video and you put it out into the world, you never really see those faces. So you're like, did anyone really watch it? Is, you know, what's the feedback like? It's hard to tell, but seeing positive comments is always a nice thing. Oh, yeah. Negative ones, on the other hand. Yeah, no. Nice. Well, it, you can be critical without being rude. And I don't think people always realize that. Uh, it's, you can also it's just keep line. it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah people, exactly. people love to be keyboard warriors for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And it's a little tough because Jared's so vocal. So I think people, te- I think people assume they can be just as vocal back and some Sometimes they're, he's not asking for a critique or anything and they tend to critique every little thing he does. So it's tough. Well, I mean, it happens to everybody. I've got maybe 340 on my YouTube and I get negative comments. Um, But it is fun because you get to troll them. I'm sorry about those, Aaron. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dan, stop putting negative comments all over my stuff. (laughs) Well, and that's, that's the, uh, 
<laughs> the, the brutal part for me, and honestly why I don't post that much, is because when I do post a photo, it has to be a very technically perfect photo because I yeah. will get ripped apart mm. from the Phonos photo community. And I don't blame them for it. You know, that's what we do. Yeah. Um, but I'm just trying to post a nice family photo and I don't want to hear about, hey, my catch light is weird in my eye or something, you know? <laughs> well, you, you kind of get where that comes from. You wouldn't take money advice for somebody who's really bad with money. So, sure. you know, yep. I get why there's that standard. But yeah, you know, if someone wants just to post an iPhone photo of their family at Disney World, by all means, let them do it. Like, yeah, not everything has to be professionally done. And that's honestly why I don't post that often, because yeah. it almost has to, I feel like it has to be like a really a shot that I'm really proud of or something like that. And it, it shouldn't be that. It should not be like that. No. I just need to get better posting. <laughs> so if anybody does go comment, it better be nice. Yeah. yeah. Please build be a nice. website. <laughs> I'd like to buy your prints. That would be great. <laughs> well, you talked about uh, you, you like getting feedback and stuff, but just on a personal level for me, I mean, you uh, shooting and, and editing all the stuff for Jared has been a big part of my photography journey. And I, I appreciate awesome, everything man. you guys do. And uh, I'm a subscriber. I'm a, I'm a, a purchase. I don't have the shirt, but I, I, I had a Frodo's photo, the bag and uh, the the card holder. And, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a pretty, pretty big fanboy because that's that's where I started um, as that's far awesome, as YouTube man. and photography was with Jared. Thanks for watching, man. Yeah. I, we appreciate that so much. I, I do have a shirt amongst other things. I have plenty of shirts, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I've got do. about every color that we've ever produced in <laughs> yeah. I Shoot Raw and shirts that never made it on the website and all kinds of stuff. Nice. But that's when we did uh, Raw. I'll talk back in the day our podcast i would actually wear an i shoot raw shirt and oh yeah, yeah. Oh, my right. closet is now i shoot i raw do shirts. miss those days and i'm sure you hear that yeah. all the time but you guys are pushing out so much content i'm sure it's hard to do that I, I miss it because you know i'm simply behind the scenes and no one really can hear my feedback and it was always nice to have that that voice during the the podcast to to finally you know tell people how i how i feel about a camera or how i, how I feel about a certain product and stuff like that and can't yeah. really do that anymore it was also really fun to hear todd just mercilessly pick on jared <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, we, we did start it up during the pandemic for like a show or two, but it just didn't yeah. pan out. We just kind of stopped doing it again. Yeah. So I think our podcasting days are over. That's sad, but I, I understand you guys are so busy making other content. You can't you mm. can't be in every uh, genre of media and, and still put out the stuff you do with excellence. So, yeah. And we actually got to the point where it was so streamlined with our live stream setup that we had a, a switcher on board. We had uh, multiple angles, multiple cameras, all remotely connected, um, really legit setup. And I was really proud of it. But it just kind of got thrown out the window just because it wasn't worth the time or effort to really produce the show because we would get 20, 30,000 views. And, you know, the other content that takes a day or two to do is getting 50, 100,000 views. So, yeah, it's yep. it's tough. What you did make you do calls. with that, that round slider you guys had? Uh, we still use that. Do you? The, um, man, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Uh, not a rhino, is it? No, it's not a rhino. Uh, one man crew. Uh, oh, one man crew. Okay, yeah. The, the, the actual slider is called one man crew crew not the brand but I, I'm, I'm blanking on the brand name anyway we we love that slider i uh, use it on our um kind of our serious set where jared's sitting in the leather chair i don't know if you're familiar with that yeah, set at all but yeah. i use that as the main slider angle and then on occasion on other videos as well but red rock micro red rock micro they make the one-man crew and you basically set it and forget it you start point start point end point you can do time lapses you could do certain speeds and nice. it's great because it's literally for a 
one man crew like myself, where I'm manning four different cameras and I can just hit record and, and it'll do its thing and make it look like it's a five crew job. So nice. that's always the goal. It's not easy, but we try. I try. <laughs> well, I think uh, this might be a good place to stop. We've kept it for about an hour and a half now. I, I love this, guys. This is this was fun. Yeah. Fun. Awesome. This is a lot of fun. Thank you for doing it. You are our first celebrity guest. <laughs> celebrity. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know if we'll include this in, in the show, but I was, I was a little nervous with you coming on because seeing you obviously in, in the raw talks and know you're behind some of the videos that I've been watching for years. And so <laughs> you just like, man, this for us, this is a huge deal. I, you may not see it because you're you, but I mean, it's, this is a big deal to the two of us. So we do I appreciate, appreciate that. It. Yeah. I'm just, just a normal person, just like everybody else. Just happened to be working for someone that loves putting his personality out there <laughs> to the world. All his business. <laughs> we, we, we love it. We love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate you coming on. And, um, you know, if you ever want to again in the future, of course, we'd love to have you back. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Anytime you guys want me, just let me know. Instagram me, awesome. email me, whatever. Um, for sure. This was a lot of fun. Great. And I appreciate you guys uh, inviting me on. Yeah. And yeah tell, tell Jared we're fans. I will. <laughs> Cool, All right, guys. All right. Thanks, man. See you, Steve. Later. All right. Well, awesome. That was uh, that was great talking to Steven. Yeah. Incredible guy. Very humble, but very skilled and knowledgeable. And and like I told him, just a big part of of my beginning photo story and, and learning how to to be a photographer. So very for thankful sure, yeah. for him and, and what he does. Yeah. And I know um, they, they put a lot of work into because I mean, even just seeing how many videos and, and how much content, even outside of YouTube, like you know, Jared's uh, Bernie book that he's coming out with, mm -hmm. all of their presets. Like, you know, Steven's got a hand in all of those things, especially the presets. He said he made all of them. So it's kind of awesome one, to he said, talk to him all about but that. One. Oh, all but one. The black right. and white Boomify, you know, with uh, contrast up to 96 is all Jared. <laughs> it is 96. Check it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> plus, uh, plus an S-curve to help out with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, we're well, very thankful for him and uh, just thankful for for uh, my co-host Aaron for for reaching out and being brave enough to slide into Steven's DMs and and ask him uh, if he'd like to be a part of it. So for sure, yeah. Well, it's nice. Uh, so so what I can say is um, I've had a I've had dialogue, you know, just off and on with Steven for a long time. Um, I forget where where it started. Maybe it was maybe it was Magmod stuff. I saw him using it, or maybe I heard them talk about it, but. Uh, yeah, he's just always um, been willing to like converse and, and chat about things. And he's just super uh, approachable and nice about, about all that stuff. And so I, I really appreciate getting to, you know, just, I don't want to say bug people, but kind of bug people about the work that they do and yeah. ask questions. And so, I, yeah, I appreciate him being open to, you know, conversing, and, uh, of course, obviously in person, but or um, uh, over DMs, but also coming on our podcast. It's awesome. Yeah. And like you said, he's he's just a regular guy. Uh, he yep. just has a, a really cool job and and uh, gets to uh, take skills and, and what maybe started as a hobby and do it for a living. And yeah. um, that's awesome. Um, yep. There's not a lot of people who get to go to work and be creative and be creatively filled and and in that way. Um, so that's that's really cool. And uh, we're just very thankful for him to come on. And if you go to his uh, Instagram at uh, S underscore Eckert, uh, it's E-C-K-E-R-T. Just comment, please make a website. I want to buy your prints <laughs> just so that we know uh, that you you listened. Um, yep. Aaron and Dan told me to 
tell you to make a website so we can buy prints. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and go to his website to see those, 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 that, I don't know what the name of that bridge is in Philadelphia, but both the green one for the, the Eagles win and uh, the purple one in honor of Kobe Bryant are, are fantastic. They're just excellent yeah. images. And um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, links will be down, of course, in the notes as well. If you want to just click on that, it'll take you right to his page and everything. I'm also going to, uh, I'm not sure if he gets, I'm sure he gets some sort of benefit from this, but we're going to link um, the Fro presets that we talked about a lot. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. just going to throw a link for those down in the notes as well. Um, they didn't ask us to do that, of course, but um, me, me and Dan both have bought them and enjoy playing around with those. So we'll include those. So if you guys want to check them out, those will be down in the notes as well. Yeah. 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 Go su- support Steven and, and Jared and uh, they, they do good work and they help photographers. And if you are a teacher of a school that is in need of uh, help, uh, we'll put the link for um, their program to, to get good gear in the hands of schools that, that are in need. Uh, we'll put that link in the, in the show notes as well. Um, that's just a really cool way that they're giving back and uh, using some of the partnerships they have with brands like Canon uh, to make a difference for, for kids and, and uh, support the arts, which is awesome. For sure. So yeah, check that out. And while you're there, let them know that we sent you. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're going to be doing more of these. We actually have a couple of more people that I slid into their DMs, so to speak. Uh, and we'll have a few more guests coming up in the next several weeks here. So stay tuned for that. A couple, um, the next two, of course, I'm excited for Steven, 100%. Oh, yeah. And the next two I'm excited excited for so yeah just definitely stay tuned for those yeah and thanks for thanks for listening thanks for uh being into uh cool things like video and photo we we, we appreciate all of our listeners uh, including our fan who commented on our last post you saw that yep Aaron. yep shout out to neil again that's yeah. right <laughs> thank you neil while you're at it if you're listening on apple podcasts please give us a five-star rating and leave a review it does help us get discovered in apple podcasts also you can find us on instagram at the av room pod you can also Find us on Twitter at the AV Room Pod. And you can find me at Burger King most Mondays uh, between 11 and 12. <laughs> Man, I haven't been to Burger King in years. Me neither. It just seemed like the most <laughs> weird place to say that I, I was hanging out. Right. It was either that or Arby's. Who hangs out at Arby's? All right. Well, uh, yes, like I said, stay tuned for the next time, for the next few episodes. They're going to be great. And uh, until the next time, I'm Aaron. I'm Dan. And this has been the AV Room. Later. Later.